Welcome to Leading the Way, a ministry of Brooklyn Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina. Join us each week for practical preaching and foundational truth from God's Word. Here's the pastor of Brooklyn Baptist Church, Clay Collins. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. Our prayers that the song and sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as you listen. Today on the broadcast, we're going to start with a song by our church choir entitled, I Know I'm Saved. And I want to say today, I'm glad that I know that I'm saved on my way to heaven, and I'm glad my heart is right with God. And then we're going to go right into the message, and this message is going to be preached from 1 Samuel chapter number 3, and the title of this message is entitled, A Fence or a Funeral. So you get your Bibles open, 1 Samuel chapter 3, hear the song by our church choir, and then the Word of God preached today on the broadcast. My heart was unhappy till I came to Jesus and told him how I was enslaved. When I prayed for mercy, he freely forgave me, and now I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved, I know I'm saved no more. My soul is enslaved. Samuel, you'll notice that Hannah here is praying and God blesses her with a son whose name is Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, she's blessed there. God touches her womb. God opens that, blesses her with a man child whose name is Samuel and that is who the book of 1 Samuel is named after. But the first few chapters of the book of 1 Samuel seems to revolve around the family. We find that there's a lady named Hannah who's praying. God opens her womb and, and all of a sudden she dedicates him back to the Lord. And in the process of that, God has blessed her and she begins in chapter 2 to give praise to God for answering her prayer. And that's rightfully what we should do. 
when God answers our prayer. But then the thing kind of transitions toward the end of chapter 2 and then into chapter 3 and 4 dealing with the priest at that time whose name is Eli. And young Samuel, who has just been given to uh, uh, Hannah as a fine young man that God's hand is on and that God has anointed, is going to be the minister of Eli, and he's going to shadow, we could say, Eli, who is the priest. And that is what we find in the chapters 2 and 3 and 4, is young Samuel here is the minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. And we find that in chapter 2. But then we find as we go through chapter 2 and 3, we find that the children of Eli, whose names are Hophni and Phinehas, are very wicked men. In fact, the Bible tells us in chapter 2 and verse number 12 that the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. In other words, they worshiped false gods. They, the Bible even says in chapter 2 verse 12 that they knew not the Lord. Now, you got to understand that, just hang with me. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang with me. i got to teach you something first. The sons of Eli here, whose names is Hophni and Phinehas, were ministering in the tabernacle. They were that priestly heritage and lineage. They were ministering in the tabernacle of Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle was set up once they conquered Canaan land. And they're here and they're ministering, but they're committing abominations in the sight of God. They're doing things they're not supposed to be doing. In fact, in chapter 2, you find where they were taking the sacrifices that belonged to God and taking them for themselves. In other words, they were robbing God of what belonged to Him and the sacrifices. And as a result, people knew that they were robbing God and people were stopping bringing their sacrifices to God because they knew there were wicked men in the tabernacle who were taking their sacrifices and using them for their own pleasure. And that's what you find at the end of chapter 2. And then we find that Eli, down at the end of chapter 2, we're told that the Lord comes to Eli. And the Bible said in verse 22 of chapter 2, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all of Israel. And how that they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Not only are they taken from God, but they're laying, and that term is in a sexual aspect, they're laying with the women at the door of the tabernacle. There's sin going on all around the tabernacle because of Eli's two sons, whose names are Hophni and Phinehas. Amen. Y'all with me? Amen. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to find at the end of chapter 2 that God sends a man of God unto Eli and tells him, look in verse 29, of chapter 2. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me. Now, I want you to look at that. Instead of honoring God, he wanted to honor his sons above God. And to make yourselves fat with the cheapest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. He's talking about how they were taken of the Lord's sacrifices. Look at verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that, my ha- that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord said, Be it far from me. For them that honor me will I honor, and they that despise me should be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man 
in thine house. There's the consequences of sin. Amen. Now I want you to look at verse 34. Bible said, and this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. We're seeing the consequences of sin. Now we're going to find where the Lord is going to speak to young Samuel. Go down into chapter 3. Go down to chapter 3 with me. Verse number 10. The Bible said, and the Lord came and stood and called as other times Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And in that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. God, God finishes what he starts, is what he's saying. Look in verse 13, though. This is going to be my text verse this morning. It said, For I have told him, God saying, I've already told Eli, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. You see that? For the iniquity which he knoweth. See, Eli knew this sin was going on. Look what else it says. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. What a statement. Verse 14, Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. When you go to chapter 4, you find what, exactly what God said was going to happen. Guess what happened? It happened. Look in verse number 11 of chapter 4. The Bible said, And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. That's exactly what God said would happen. Go to verse 15. The Bible said, Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. There hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell up from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke and he died. For he was an old man and heavy and he judged Israel 40 years. Mm. What a sad statement. Chapter 1 is a great rejoicing time over the fact that God has heard the prayer of Hannah and met the need and provided a son whose name was Samuel through her womb and God anointed Samuel and God is raising up Samuel to take the place here and to lead the children of Israel. But we find why and what happened to the lineage and the heritage of Eli here. Eli had two sons whose names were Hophni and Phinehas and the Bible said that they were sons of Belial. They were very wicked men. They were living in sin. They were taking God's stuff and, and, and using it for their own pleasure. They were committing sexual sin with women at the door of the tabernacle and committing all kinds of sin. I mean, these are wicked men. But what I'm really getting at is this fact. God judged Eli because Eli knew what he was doing, knew what they were doing, but yet did nothing about it. And here's the danger we're living in today. I'm afraid we know a lot's going on, but we make excuses. 
we, 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 we know it's going on, but yet we try to turn the head and turn the ear and act like, well, you know, I, I know this sin's going on, but, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. And we, we just turn the ear. But God said, I'm going to judge your children and I'm going to judge you because you know and that your sons are vile. They're committing all this sin and yet you have not restrained them. Can I tell you today, parents have an obligation. Amen. The Bible is very clear that parents are to train up a child in the ways you go when he's old. He'll not depart. Parents have an obligation. Amen. Uh, not only did the parents have an obligation, but as Eli, he was a priest. He was not only to look after his own household, he was to look after the house of God. And so Eli really had a double obligation. He had an obligation to his own house to uh, raise his children right, which obviously did not do, but he had an obligation at the house of God to make sure the house of God was kept pure. So he had a parental obligation and a priestly obligation and yet he failed in both of those aspects. No one say even today we don't have priests but as a pastor I have an obligation around the house of God to, to make sure things are kept in the right spiritual condition and sin is dealt with and uh, things are called what they need to be called and uh, sin is dealt with and what we're living in though is a day and it goes back to 2 Timothy 3 where we're living in a day that people are disobedient to parents, people are unthankful, people are unholy, people don't like to be told that they're wrong. Amen. Now I want to preach this morning on this thought and I'm, I'm just going to be real quick because I really just, I had a lot more foundation than I really got points this morning. But I had to get you to where, I, where you understand what I'm preaching on. But I want to preach on this thought this morning, a fence or a funeral. A fence or a funeral. Here's the thing here. Eli was told by God that your children are going to die and you're going to bear the consequence of sin because you didn't restrain them. In other words, Eli could have restrained them, built some fences, done some work in his home, but instead of building a fence, he's now going to prepare a funeral for both of his sons. And in fact, we find when he finds word of that, he even falls over himself and dies. Amen. Now I want to give you three things on this thought. Number one is the consent of the father. Notice the Bible said in verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Now I want to stop and say this to all of us here this morning. We can't help what we don't know. But when we are aware that something is going on in our home, and when we're aware something is going on in our life, and we choose to turn the other cheek and act like it's no big deal, God is going to deal with that. Bible said in the book of James, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When we turn our ear knowingly from sin, God will bring, bring consequences and judgment upon those things. And Eli, no doubt, tried to act like that, you know, it was no big deal. And Eli knew about it, but yet Eli wanted to compromise and cower down and uh, just be, you know, well, it ain't no big deal. And it's, it's not as big as you're making it to be. And this sin is not that big of a deal. But in God's eyes, it was a big deal. Amen. And I want to say today what we're seeing is many people with the same attitude. Amen. We see the consent of this father. Then I want to notice the choice of the father. 
The Bible said, I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. There's the consent. He knows what's going on, but let's look at the choice. Because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. There's a choice there. Now I want to say this, I can't help what my little boy decides to do. I can't. He's got a choice. He's got to make a choice to be saved. He's got a choice that he's going to have to live his life. But I will say this, I have a choice in how I respond to what he does. I have a choice to raise my child and, and, and put him in the aspect and in the environment to raise him to love God or I have a, a choice to make that I can raise him in an environment where he sees false religion and he sees somebody that is not real and somebody that is fake and somebody that goes to church on Sunday and lives like the world Monday through Friday. I have a choice in what I live in front of him and the choices I make as I raise him and that will greatly affect his choices. Now I want to just remind us here today, when someone's living under our roof, we still have the choice in their life. Amen. That's right. Now I want to say this, I've heard people make this statement that, well, you know, you know, when, well, you, know you, you, you can't do this, you can't do this in this day and hour, but who said you can't? The Bible's very clear about what thus saith the Lord. The Bible is very clear about the responsibility of a parent. The Bible is very clear about the responsibility. And the last days are characterized as people disobedient to parents. Well, here's the thing. If children are disobedient to parents, and that's a characteristic of the last day, it sounds like that somebody has dropped the ball. If there's a generation that is disobedient to parents, somebody's dropped the ball. Now, I, I, I'm not being crucial, I'm not being mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about child abuse, but I, I, I understood early on in life when I disrespected my parents, there was consequences. Now, our society today said that's child abuse. No, that's, that's baloney, it ain't child abuse. It's called teaching them and instructing them and doing what's right, and that's Bible. Spare not the rod for the crying, Amen. We're to, not, we're to spare not the rod, amen. We're to correct them. We're to discipline children. That is Bible. But when that is no longer done, you're going to raise a generation that is disobedient to parents. And when they're disobedient to parents, they're then disobedient to the teacher. When they're disobedient to the teacher, they're then disobedient to law enforcement officers. When they're disobedient to the law enforcement officers, they're disobedient to the law in general. And then they're disobedient to uh, all, all society and anybody that tries to tell them they're done wrong. And if we're not careful, us as parents will instill that trend into their lives. Because we don't correct them and show them that their wrongdoings and sin has consequences. Amen. There's a choice. And I want to just stop and say this. Eli done nothing, and that is a choice. I've heard people say, well, preacher, I'm just not going to do nothing about it. Then you made a choice. You made a choice to do nothing. To do nothing is to make a choice that I'm going to sit down and let the devil do what he wants to do in my family and my home. Many pastors have decided I'm not going to do nothing, and they've sat down, and they're letting the devil make a mess out of the mockery out of the things of God in their churches. 
Many, many, many parents have sat down and the devil is working in the lives of their children and the devil is pulling them out of church and trying to get them on alcohol and, and methamphetamines and all this. And a parent is sitting there just saying, well, I don't know what to do. You made a choice to do nothing. There is something you can do. You can do what thus saith the Lord. You can try the best to put some restraints in their life and to build some fences up. Uh, in other words, to do your best to keep them where they need to be. Around here, we've got a lot of fences. There's fences all around. What, why do we have fences? It's to keep things in and to keep other things out. In this thing, spiritual walk, there's some fences. And I want to say this, if you don't have some convictions in your life and some, some standards and some guards and some garrisons in your life, you need some fences in your life. There's some places I won't go because I'm not going to go get involved in things and I don't need to go there. There's some things I don't want to do. There's some things I don't want to get myself in a mess. There's some things I don't want to get let loose in my life, so I put some fences in. I do realize today there's an old sin nature that still lives inside of this old boy right here. I'm still flesh. Amen. I realize if I don't have some fences and some guards up in my life, if I begin to expose myself and allow things to come toward me and I begin to go toward other things, we're going to have a problem sooner or later. Well, the devil just made me do it. There's no fences in our lives. And let me just stop and call time out and say this. Another thing is we've got the attitude that our children are perfect in this day. Listen, I, I, I'm not perfect. I found out early on when my boy was a few days old, he wasn't perfect. And I'm just going to be honest with you, our children aren't perfect. They're going to make mistakes. And I want to just say this, whenever... Whenever there's something wrong in the child's life, if all you ever do is take up for that child and make it like their sin is no big deal, they're going to keep going deeper and deeper into it. So many people, all of a sudden, the sin of a child is exposed, and then all of a sudden, uh, they're mad at everybody. They feel like it's time to jump church. They feel like it's time to jump ship. They feel like it's time to go away. You know, boy, everybody just don't like me, and everybody don't like my child. No. We're just trying to help get everything back in line according to the scripture. Amen. Bible said that a real friend tells you the truth. That's what's wrong with the teachers. The teacher tells, uh, all of a sudden corrects our child and we run down there and jump on the teacher. Oh, the teacher's wrong. My child ain't done nothing wrong. My child don't do nothing wrong. Then we go bail them out of jail when they get in jail. Well, they ain't doing nothing wrong. They got arrested wrongfully. You know, I mean, you know, they, they didn't do that. Go bail them out of jail. Go into the next step of, of sin and consequences. Well, they didn't really do that. No, no. You keep making excuses for your sin and, and your child's sin, you're never going to help them. In fact, you're crippling them. You're crippling them. We're either going to have to build a fence or one of the days we're going to be standing in front of a casket because they went all the way into sin so far, God's taken them on. I know it's not an amen message, but I'm just, this is what God's got on my heart. We're living in a day that we must step up to the plate as parents, as a pastor, and stand with the principles of God's word. If it's sin, it's sin. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And we're still, that is the standard is the word of God. 
We see the consent of the Father. We see the choice of the Father. But then we see the consequences of the Father. Amen. He reaped the consequences. But you know, here's the thing. He didn't just reap the consequences. In fact, the whole camp reaped the consequences. Amen. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? The Philistines came in, in verse 10 of chapter 4. They fought against Israel. They killed many of the people of Israel. They took the ark of God. And Hophni and Phinehas were slain. And then on the flip side, when Eli is sitting there old and uh, old in his age and he hears that his sons are dead, he falls backwards off of that and he dies. You see, the consequences of sin are beginning to be reaped in this chapter. See, we, we, we don't like when chapter 4 gets there. All of a sudden, you know, we like to blame everybody. Well, you know, so-and-so, if they had done this, so-and-so, no. Sometimes we just got to own up to the consequences. Look what the Bible said in verse 21. She named the name, uh, she, and, she, and she named the child Ichabod, saying the glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because her father-in-law and her husband, she said the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. You know why I believe wholeheartedly the ark of God was taken? You don't know wholeheartedly why I believe that Hophni and Phinehas are dead? You don't know honestly why I believe Eli has fallen over dead? It's because of sin. Because instead of putting up a fence and saying, there's some things we're not going to tolerate. There's some things we're not going to allow. There's some things around the house we're not going to allow. There's some things around the church house we're not going to allow. There's some things in general that we're going to put a fence up and we're not going to step up. We're not, we're not going to cross these lines. God drew a plumb line in the book of Amos and we're going to draw a plumb line. And here it is. Here's a fence. But instead, they're having funerals because they weren't willing to put fences up back up the road and guard against sin in the camp. And I want to say this today. We need to realize this spiritual truth is still there. And I want to say this. You say, well, preacher, why would you preach a message like this? Because I want to say this. God is moving in our young people. God is. And I am thank God for that. Hallelujah that God is stirring the hearts of our young people. But I'm going to say this. We're not careful. We're not careful. We'll begin to give them excuses. We'll begin, to do, we'll begin to find ways to get them away from the things of God. We'll, instead of fueling their fire, we'll begin to try to put it out. Because we but nitpicking little things that don't matter. And I want to say this. I want to see our young people get on fire for the Lord. I want to see them stay in love with Jesus. I want, to, I want to be a stop sign in front of them to point them away from the world and the flesh and the devil and to point them to Jesus and tell them how wonderful it is serving God. But here's the problem. There's days when we're adding gasoline to that fire. And there's days when we're in their corner and we're patting them on the back. But then there's other days over here where they're going to get a little sideways. And that's when we have to say, look, well, you've been on fire for God, but some things are getting sideways here. And we've got to get back in. We've got to get back online here. But here's the problem. Everybody's fine when you're filling that fire. But when you go over here and you begin to start dealing with those little things, that little sin, that's when all of a sudden, boy, you make a lot of people mad and you ruffle some feathers. But here's the thing. Without, you've got to have both. Thank God when they get on fire, we've got to fuel that fire. But I'm going to say this. When they begin to step out of line, you also got to have those times where you deal with sin. And without both, you're not going to have a, a, a fruitful Christian.
that is settled and well in the scriptures and living for Jesus like they need to. And so I want to say this, we don't need to make excuses for the sin that we're living in, our children are living in, or anybody else is living in. I don't have to make an excuse for America. America's living in sin. We've got national sin all around us. It's sin. We've got to call it like it is. But I want to say this, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our moms and dads. Amen. The characteristic of the last days is disobedient to parents. I, I feel for parents in this generation. I feel for parents raising children. Because that's the motive of the generation. That's what the world's doing. And we need to pray for our moms and dads. Now I want to say this, we need to pray for our children. We need to pray for what these young people are dealing with. But as parents, we have an obligation. Thank you for listening to Leading the Way. We would like to invite you to our services at Brooklyn Baptist Church. Our Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 10.45 a.m., and our evening worship is at 6 p.m. Wednesday night worship is at 7 p.m. The church is located at 8449 Paris Bridge Road in Chesney, South Carolina. If you would like to correspond with us, please do so by writing to this address. If you would like more information about our church or to watch one of our services live, please visit our Facebook page, Brooklyn Baptist of Chesney, or our website, brooklynbaptistchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.